the amount of messages that we get from people that are kind of moving in a sense that it's like, oh, this is the first time I've smiled since like my dad passed away, or it's just like, it's like, oh my god, I don't, I didn't realize how many videos would have such an impact. It's like. It's just silly little videos, but I guess, uh, especially in these times, people people need them. This is the Sparkcast, a bi-weekly show where we explore the creativity, technology, and business of CG. I'm your host, Marina Antunes. In his day job, Thibaut Cheropin is a director and video editor for the ACLU. But in his spare time, he's a visual effects whiz, who, with the help and support of his partner, Olivia Boone, edits their beloved cat Lizzie into famous movie scenes. You've probably seen one of these kicking around on social media. With a passion for problem solving and learning, and maybe out of a little bit of boredom, Thibaut posted the first video of Lizzie on Reddit. And eventually, that little video turned into Owl Kitty, an Instagram and YouTube sensation that brings joy, laughter, and technical marvel with each short clip. I recently had a chance to speak with Thibaut about how Owl Kitty came to be, his process for creating movie magic, and his white whale. This is my conversation with Thibaut Cheropin. Have you seen these Owl Kitty videos? I think it'd be really fun to talk to these guys i'm like okay well i'll i'll look at it so i checked out the youtube video and i'm like oh my god these are amazing and the first one i saw was the 1918 one and i'm like do that so that i was watching behind the scenes and i think somebody had maybe it'd been a post somewhere else where somebody had said uh, you know it's a pretty flimsy setup but they're making movie magic and i'm like yes they are oh my god we must know more the nineteen the nineteen eighty one really went through a transformation because I so I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's this whole scene where it's you know it's one shot and he's running through the field. It's, yes, I, it's, right. it's exploding behind him. I thought at first it was like obviously she would be the one running, and it's like how do I make that happen? It's like I could maybe like put the iPhone on a tracker and put a treat like in front of the iPhone and then pull. Pull the phone as she's walking towards it. So we have this like tracking dolly thing going on. Uh, but the lens was all over the place. It never matched. I had put little like dots that I could I, I could use for camera tracking. But then I would have to recreate the entire thing in 3D. Um, it turned out to be a nightmare. I was like, all right, let's not do that. Let's just put her in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked. And it totally works. I'm curious, has anybody ever come to you and like with a job offer? Because like you're doing some super impressive work with like really budget budget equipment. Uh, some people have offered to buy Owl Kitty videos for me to like oh, do okay. for cats. Uh, I have yet to do that. I just I don't have a ton of time to actually work on anything else. Uh, no, I mean mostly it's, it's I get offers here and there, but it's it's. And I'll take them if ACLU runs out. Uh, but it's it's weird, yeah. This this Instagram account in a way has sort of used been used to me as a real resume. It's like, yeah, I can I can do this. Check it out. But uh, uh, it's yeah. But the offers I get have been kind of silly. Some of them fun. But if there's any extra time to do anything other than Owl Kitty actual videos, it's going to be like advocacy work for cat shelters, like and. Uh, so that's been that's been kind of fun. Where it's like, oh, can it, it, 
I get a lot, a lot of requests to be part of like fundraisers for uh, cat adoptions, and and so they'll want me to do to assemble some videos. And it's like, hey, here's that, make a thing. And uh, by the way, that's when we adopted Lizzie, and here's the adoption story. And so there's a lot of those. But... That's awesome. So I'm curious, like when you were growing up, what did you want to do when you grew up? When you were a kid, what would you think would be your your dream job? Uh, I mean, I've always liked uh, that sort of digital creation, imaging. I used to play a lot with 3D software as a kid. Uh, I used to play a lot of video games, and instead of playing the games, I would download the 3D softwares to create the game, <laughs> which is something that I've really enjoyed doing. So I knew I, I would always walk around and say, I want to become an infographiste, which is the French way to be like a, a, a digital artist. Oh, okay. Uh, and so it's weird, because like, I've been saying that for such a long time, even before I knew what it really meant. And I was always fascinated by it, and I loved graphic design, and that's eventually the field I ended up going into. Uh, in college, but but yeah, I, deep down, I always knew it. So, so did you did you go to school to be a digital artist, or did you go to school for something else, and you ended up doing digital art? Uh, I went to Parsons School of Design, uh, and this was their very first the very first uh, semester where they taught that new a new major that they had called design and technology. Uh, and uh, I don't know why uh, I ended up in that field, but it's like, all right, this sounds exciting. Nobody knows what this is. This was back in 2005. And, 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 and it's like, all right, design and technology. Interesting. Uh, I don't think the professors knew either really what to do with it. It's really developed since, and it's an incredible, I highly recommend it, uh, the courses. But, but uh, yeah, it was, it was very experimental. And uh, at times, like even to uh, what's the word? But it's like trying so hard to be bigger than it is. But uh, but but it was cool, and we taught a lot. And eventually, I landed more in the storytelling side of things instead of the more physical, practical. Uh, uh, and and so I ended up teaching myself animation, uh, and that's how I ended up in more of the visual visual effects side of things instead of the robotics side of things. But yep, yeah, and and. You know, it's a little by little taught myself the softwares. I mean, the school also taught them uh, the entire Adobe suite, a couple of 3D softwares. So yeah. how did you end up in New York to begin with? Did you end up there to go to school or were you already there when you applied to Parsons? How did that all come together for you? Uh, I was in Connecticut for oh. a very short stint uh, because... My, it's, it's weird and complicated. <laughs> My family uh, moved to Connecticut from France when I was a, a teenager. I was okay. 15. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I didn't really have any sense of a U.S. map. And I'm like, we're moving here to Connecticut, and that looks like New York to us. Like, I guess we're moving to New York. <laughs> and so we, we ended up in Connecticut, even though I had told all my friends in France we're moving to New York. Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> but, but eventually, it was like, all right, it's time for college. Let's, let's actually go to New York this time, which was only 30 minutes away. But that's how I ended up at Parsons. 
Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so you're at Parsons, you're basically like muddling your way through this first first time that this course is being offered. You're clearly a self-learner as well. So you're 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 learning all of these tools. So what's your first job out of college? Like clearly you wanted to you've always wanted to create. Did you start with creation right off the bat? Um I mean, it was actually the, the thing that truly, really inspired me to this day is not uh, out of college, it's in college. Uh, well, I was I was going, I was taking courses and on the side I was working at a museum and it's a museum in Queens that was just a few blocks away from where my apartment was. And it's the Museum uh, of the Moving Image. Oh, yeah. And, and it's an incredible museum and it, they happened to be going through construction while I was working there, which was a little bit annoying, because, but it was great for me because we would get no visitors. Uh, because they, it was only like partially open and most of the galleries were closed, but I was still running the gift shop. And, uh, and so that meant that I would like sneak around the galleries because no one was there or, or eventually a couple of French tourists would show up and I would be like, I'll give you a tour. But that was the real inspiring side. There would be this whole gallery that was dedicated to special effects and, and, you know, the practical ones and, and the digital ones and, and uh, yeah, I think that blew my mind more than anything. Uh, but out of college, I was doing more of the, uh, I did do a lot of animation work and, and a lot of, so I, my first job out of college was called Flickr Lab. Uh, and it's a great little studio, very small. It's maybe, it's maybe between five and 10 of us. But, but we would do a lot of uh, uh, small animated, like interstitials for networks. Okay. And, uh, and what, what, I think my very, very first actual job was uh, uh, the Barn, Barnes & Nobles, the company, had just released their Nook tablet. Yes. And, uh, and it was the Nook Color, the one that was meant to be for kids. And they're like, we need to put all these classic uh, kids' books in, in, on the Nook Color, but to make them more interesting, to show the, the actual like performance of the tablet, uh, let's make it so that we can animate the illustrations. Some of them, like 50-year-old illustrations, all of a sudden, I am tasked, this guy right out of college, to animate this thing. And it would be work by, like, P.D. Eastman and, and even some Dr. Seuss stuff, which was incredible because I didn't even grow up on that stuff because I grew up yeah. in France. And I was like, all right, I get to, to animate this, this book that every American, every American kid knows. And, and so that was actually a lot of fun and pretty rewarding. Uh, do you think that that job kind of because it's such I, I find that when you work with small groups and it's a small environment but you have these big tasks you kind of end up doing way more you wear more hats than you probably would if you were at a big studio tasked with like one job do you think that that kind of helped build like your uh your proficiency and your skills and and maybe even your um your your uh your like the feeling that yeah you can achieve anything if you put enough effort into it I, I think yeah i think you you know that i i really did uh did love the small the small studio because it did have to make you do everything in a way so i ended up being more of a generalist like when my biggest mentor was harold moss who, who ran the studio still does uh but he was just a guy that could do it all and when he didn't know a thing he would just spend all night teaching himself and then do it the next day and and i don't know it's like it would be like, like I remember having to to do this ad for uh, it was for a uh, uh, 
like churches, um s'mores. Okay. Uh, it's a thing, and and it had to have like two pieces of Hershey's and a cracker, like going like in in this crazy three D thing. It would close on top of a of a half burnt marshmallow. It's like I don't know how to animate uh, like this kind of marshmallow like that. And so Harold was like, "No, just teach yourself real real flow." It's like well, I'm just gonna learn real flow overnight. It's like yeah, and and I did. Uh, oh, it's the kind of thing that you know. If it was a bigger studio, we would have hired someone to do that. And, but, so I don't know. It was kind of a, a weird luxury to be able to to do everything yourself, even though it felt overwhelming at times. Uh, it was cool. How did you end up working at the ACLU? Because that's where you were at now, right? Yeah. Uh, so Flickr Lab, where I was, did do a lot of uh, work for nonprofits. And uh, Harold was a big activist in all sorts of fields, uh, mostly global warming stuff. And so we did do a lot of and gun control. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you've ever seen Bowling for Columbine, mm-hmm. there's an animated segment halfway through the movie. Yeah. So that was all Harold. Oh wow! And that was him uh, right out of college. Like, oh, wow. just by himself, and he did the whole thing, and he taught himself, which I think was Flash at the time, like Macromedia Flash. But, but so, so he did that, so the, yeah, big on, on uh, advocacy work and civil, like gun control and global warming and all that sort of stuff. So we would take all these clients on, and one day the ACLU came to Flickr Lab, uh, and we're like, yeah, we'll do, we'll do ACLU work, of course. And we built a relationship with them. I became really good friends with now my boss, uh, Molly mm-hmm. Kaplan, who, who runs the, the multimedia uh, department at the ACLU. So, and it's well, because I've been working remotely. I'm, I'm pretty close with her uh, on, a, on a friend basis. Uh, but she lives in New York, and you know, I'm in Portland, but we've been working remote for a long time. I haven't seen her in a, in a while, because travel ban but, but i am going to a wedding in october but uh but yeah she she uh continues to give me work and and it's been really nice because like it's been working remotely for for years and then with the pandemic nothing's changed for us and so okay so you've been working with the aclu for a while you've been working remotely for a while but you didn't start the channel. Okay, let's talk about Alkitty, which is what somebody had recommended. And I fully admit, I had not seen any Alkitty videos until somebody's like, you gotta talk to these guys. They're doing amazing stuff. And then I went, you know, it's the YouTube wormhole. You start with one video and you then the next thing you know, you've been there for like two hours. You're like, where did my two hours go? So I watched like two and a half, two, two and a half hours of Alchemy videos in one sitting. And I felt so good afterwards. It was, it just felt, it's just such a, like a happy thing. So I'm curious about, like, were you just sitting around one day? Like, where did this idea come from? Like, did you just look at your cats and you're like, I think we could do something here? Like, how did this all materialize? I mean, sort of. <laughs> it's like, I wish I had a better. <laughs> but, uh, the thing with, so I've been a freelancer for, for quite some time. And, you know, it's like, it's a gig to gig basis. And, and then I was working at this other animation studio uh, doing a, an animated show for Comedy Central. Uh, and that animated show, you know, it's like these shows, they're cyclical. So it's, you work really hard for six months, then you end up on a six months hiatus and you got to find things to do within that six months. Uh, generally like the studio will tell you, 
they 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 book you for some sort of retainer of some kind or they're going to be like all right that's going to be work for you in a few months just hang tight and so my best way of hanging tight is making really stupid videos with my green screen which uh i did a lot of not all cat related uh, i did a lot of really i just enjoy making silly videos for, for you know my friend feed on social media and getting a few likes here and there just for making a stupid joke um but yeah i was like all right, all right lizzie like she's adorable we got her well she was already grown like full grown at that point but but she's always really energetic and she always wants to play uh and um and i had this green screen it's like all right let's, let's make a thing with her and um and yeah, I don't know why the first thing was to put her in Jurassic Park. I <laughs> thought it would be funny. Olivia said, it's a great idea. Go for it. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I would just, yeah, I would, I would send Olivia these weird videos while she was at work. And because and, I, I don't know. If I could really tell you, I don't know. I I'm, I was bored and I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good enough reason to start any project, to be totally honest, as far as I'm concerned. But the, the thing that I find interesting is, so, you know, you're making these videos for yourself and your friends. And then, you know, when do you make the decision to actually put them on YouTube? And then when did you kind of start to see traction from people that weren't your friends, like random strangers? Uh, I... So actually, before Jurassic Park, it's a it's a weird one because it's it's not even really Owl Kitty videos as we know them. I made this thing that is it's all fake, by the way. It's all digital. But if you've seen it, if you scroll all the way at the beginning of the feed, it's just this really quick like boomerang video where Lizzie, where Lizzie is sitting on the on the bed, and uh, and I just like got the camera close to her back and forth and her pupils would dilate as the camera would come close and oh she wants to go outside now sorry <laughs> oh yeah she's like send me out there i'm sorry i'm just gonna take a second right, she's yeah gonna... no worries otherwise she's gonna scratch up the door the whole time yeah, yeah don't get kidnapped yeah. You're famous. <laughs> we need you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this video with the eye, the pupil dilating, uh, that I ended up putting that on Reddit for some reason, some Reddit cats or something that I didn't think really would go anywhere. It's just a really quick thing, a two second loop of yeah. the eyes. Uh, and that ended up blowing up. But it wasn't attached to anything. It was just this weird GIF. It didn't have any watermark. It didn't have anything. Uh, but, but then Board Panda reached out, the company, like the social, yeah. And they're like, hey, can we use this video? I'm like, sure. And, and they ended up reposting it. But again, it was like it, this was before even the Owl Kitty name existed. And there was even an account for it. Just a weird little GIF. Yeah. But that's when I realized, like, oh, well. Like, Lizzie's really cute, and people want to see more of her, I guess. And so that's when Olivia and I sat down and was like, all right, let's, like, maybe we should make a, a, a an Instagram account for her where we put all these weird little videos. That's when uh, we came up with Owl Kitty the name because, like, all right, what's a good-sounding, like, 
cool, fun name that people can remember. That's something that like means something to us. And we've been calling her an owl for a long time because she has these big eyes. Big eyes. She does this alley thing where she just sits in the corner of the room and she stares at you. Especially when you sleep or when she's hungry. She stares like an owl. She never blinks. She never moves. She's just an owl. Uh, and, uh, and so we created this account. Obviously, the first video we put up there was that GIF thing. And, and, uh, and it got no followers whatsoever for like a couple of months maybe no maybe a full month it's just like i mean it was all friends it's like oh man lizzie's really cute we'll follow lizzie uh but but then jurassic park happened and that's when it blew up overnight and and uh, it didn't blow up per se but it, it's it's like going overnight from 50 followers to 4,000. in a sense does it like it's blowing up and we we woke up and and it's like, oh my god, what happened to this account? It's because Meowd had found this Jurassic Park video and they had reposted it without really with without warning or telling us anything. And I don't know even how they found it. I it's still to this day, it's like how would they even find this weird video? I might have used the right hashtags at the moment, but uh, I, I forget. Maybe it was on Reddit. Couldn't tell you. It was just surprising to us. We woke up. It was the account had blown up a little bit, mostly from people in Hong Kong, because that's where Meowd is based. <laughs> but I feel like, oh, yeah, it's like, weird. It's like all these people are into this. And so, and then Meowd reached out. And it's like they're owned by uh, Nine Gag. And, uh, and, uh, and they reached out and they're like, hey, can you make more of those? It's like, I can do The Lion King. <laughs> Seems like a natural fit. I love it. It's like all these things. It's often I get asked, like, how do you come up with the, the movie ideas? And it's like, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like they call the biggest classics, and uh, and usually the non verbal scenes that everybody remembers because Lizzie can't speak, uh, and 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 uh, and put her in there, and, and it's always. Like obviously we'll put her in in The Lion King. Obviously we'll put her in in Godzilla. Okay, so so you know you get you put up the first video, you start to get some traction, and um, so you keep making these. Like at some point, like you you guys have almost a million followers on YouTube now, which who are like following your 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 cat adventures, and that's in a year's time, which is not a long time. Yeah, it happened pretty fast. <laughs> I guess people on the internet really like cats. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, at some point, did you, um, like, did you ever think that this could be, like, a side business? I mean, I have no idea if you monetize it, but I'm curious, like, at some point, are you like, you know, maybe this could be something that can actually help pay bills? Oh, yeah, and it does. Not as much as people think, but it does. Uh, uh, and, and that's been great because it's, it's been like this little padding in case like one of us were to lose our jobs. But it could make a lot more money if we went harder on the brand and merchant. Like, it's, the thing is, like, the second it becomes a job, it stops being fun in a way. You know, it's, it's like, all right, we need, we need to get this next video out. Otherwise, we can't pay rent. That's when, like, it's not fun for us. It's not fun for Lizzie. Like, no one's, no one's having fun. Uh, it's, it's, I think, part of the reason it's still successful in a way or people are still into it is because it's remained the same. 
and and maybe it's a little cowardly and not risk taking of me to just skip with the same recipe but it's like that's what works and that's what i enjoy doing and uh like it doesn't need to really grow that much like it's been fun upping the ante with with making the special effects look better and better uh but but as far as like the real commercial like commercialization of it all uh it's like you're, you're never gonna see Lizzie like on a on a box of food cans. Uh, you'll never see like it's just weird. And like we've never used the account to run ads. Like we we get almost daily we get some sort of company reaching out for us, and a lot of the times they don't even actually look at the account. Like at the time, they're just seeing the numbers. Like all right, let's ask this account. Uh, but so yeah, we'll ne- we'll never run ads. Like we're not first. We're, we're not vets we're not professionals we don't know what's better for cats <laughs> like we're not going to tell you a certain cat food brand is better than another because we don't know and uh, and then it's just it's weird it's i don't know it's it's our cat <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it almost i mean it's kind of they're, they're your fur babies right it, it right. would be kind of like monetizing your kids. It's weird. It's weird. Like we've all seen that Britney Spears documentary. You don't want to be Britney Spears' dad. <laughs> it's... So let's talk a little bit about the process of creating a video. So you know, um, they're not like super regular, but when you kind of get the idea that you know it might be fun to do, I don't know, whatever movie it is. Um, how do you kind of start to to put together what that? might look like and if you could like kind of walk us through the steps of making one of your videos is kind of what i wanted to know uh i think there's two ways to do it you know to to think about the next video is either what we see lizzie do uh or that you know a typical cat would do but that she does and we're like what does this remind you of and what kind of movie scenes would that be funny in and some examples of that is like Lizzie and many cats scratch at the door a lot when they want to get in or out of things. And they're always, they're always scratching. He's like, all right, what's a famous movie scene with someone trying to break through a door? The Shining. Like she's got to be in The Shining. And, and, uh, and it's like she's right there and then her head would poke through the crack. And so that, that's one of the examples of like the cat thing happening before like Seeing, seeing the cat and then choosing the movie. Uh, but lately it's been more like what movie is very popular? What would it be funny to see her in? And then reverse engineer the scene uh, with what we think Lizzie could do that would make it funnier. Uh, the trick is not to just put a cat in the movie. It's about building a story around a cat being in the movie. Uh, it's the... It's, there's, there's plenty of ways that we can display like oh just like she's really greatly like integrated in the scene because the lighting is perfect and the comp work is great but if it's not funny it's not gonna it's not gonna get any traction so it's like if she's gonna be in this she has to do a typical cap thing uh, and and sometimes it means like reworking the scene a little bit like reworking some of the angles cheating it it's just so much cheating that goes on uh, and in these like rebuildings because uh, so, uh, people never see the original scene and the new scene side by side. They're, they have a general idea of what the scene was like, 
but they won't remember if the character was looking up or down when it happened or when it's like so so I would I would rework an entire set around the protagonist to just work a cat into it because a lot of the time the eye line is going to be different and, uh, but, but yeah so it's like working with either what she's doing and the green screen footage that I get from filming with her or or picking a movie and 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 the picking itself, like the choosing what movies she might be into, isn't always up to me or Olivia. It's like it can be up to just the followers that we have that will send us on a daily basis, like so many different examples. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a sorting process. We go, we scroll. It's like, all right, don't know this movie. Don't know that. Oh, this this could be funny. And, uh, and, and sometimes we'll even watch the clip. It's like, oh, I've never seen like this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I've never seen this scene in this movie that everyone's asking about. Maybe I should Google it. So it'll be on YouTube. It's like, yeah. oh, that would actually be pretty funny. Uh, there's there's movies that I'm super into uh, that like I do it just out of pure fandom. Like a, a good Star Wars movie, of course she'll be in that because I know it by heart. Uh, Olivia is really like in tune with what people will like more so than I am, and and she uh, she'll be like, no, you gotta put her in. And Dirty Dancing. He's like, I've never seen Dirty Dancing. He's like, no, I promise you, everyone will lose their shit when they see this. And I was like, all right, fine, I trust you. And Google this scene. It's like, oh, yeah, it's got, it's got 54 million views. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, a couple of weeks later, we did it. And uh, sure enough, it turned out to be the biggest video to this day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So once you've decided, like, once you have an idea for a scene, what's the the actual process of getting the material that you need in order to start doing the the work behind the scenes of like putting everything together? Like, I know one of the things you joke about is you know the flimsy green screen, the basically the sheet that you have. But the thing is, it really is movie magic. Like, you're doing stuff that you know anybody can kind of do in their house if they have the 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 interest and the self motivation to teach themselves the tools to do it. So I, I'm curious about you know your process for capturing. Uh, um, the video that you need in order to compose the the scenes that eventually make it onto your channel. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a process, and it's learning over the years how to use my really, like you said, flimsy green screen. It is so cheap. It is the <laughs> cheapest green screen. I don't even have studio lights. Uh, if I, it, it is crazy how much. Like I have to work around the sun. <laughs> because there's a room in this house that is it has to be the perfect time of day so that we get a nice like we have three-point lighting going on uh but it's all natural lights and and so the conditions have to be perfect the weather has to be good so i get good studio lighting and and the green screen has to be ironed <laughs> otherwise it's complicated and Lizzie has to be in the mood. And that's probably the biggest variable is getting Lizzie to be in the perfect mood to be both like playful and interested and uh, like treat motivated, but doesn't look hungry, like, like desperate. Uh, it's, it's like finding that perfect balance of Lizzie being like, all right, I'll play, but also like, I'll look at the treats, but I don't need it. Uh, it's it's like it's a, it's a weird dance. It's like all right, son, son, be on my side. All right, Lizzie, be on. And and you know, it's like I've I'd say like maybe 
every other time, not once every three or four times is like all those things line up. And it's like, all right, today is the day we're shooting today and it works. Or it's not even like I can plan it. It's like, all right, we're shooting right now and it works or not. And which can be a hassle because I'll set up the whole thing. It's like, all right, set up the green screen. The sun is here. Lizzie, I think you're in the mood. And it takes me a while. And then I realize, ah, today we're getting nothing. <laughs> and it happens so often. And, and it's like I'll spend weeks trying to get, like, trying to get her in the perfect mood. And, uh, and, and like, the setup has to be correct. And, and then I'll shoot, I could shoot an entire thing and then bring it into After Effects and realize it doesn't line up at all. <laughs> it's like, all right, I gotta redo the whole thing. So I sort of eyeball it when I shoot. When it's like, I'll set up the camera. Also, the entire thing, I swear, I shoot, <laughs> it's shot on an iPhone. It pisses a lot of people off. But it is such a flimsy setup. And, and you'd think I would have gotten it better after, you know, getting actual followers. Nah. <laughs> so well, that's what you get. You're talking about though, right? You're keeping it, uh, keeping it fun is what's keeping you motivated to keep picking movies, which I think is really awesome. This mentality that you know you don't have to get the latest greatest thing. You can work with what you've got, which I think is such mm-hmm. a wonderful. Um, it's such a great message, and so just so, it's just so powerful. I love it. It's so scrappy too. It's scrappy. I've always enjoyed a good challenge. I think, and it's it's the problem solving of like, all right, let's try to make something look expensive with nothing, and uh, and it's, it's it's like all you need is a green screen and some good lighting, and you can comp yourself or your cat into anything and make it look like a million dollars. So talk about a little bit about, so you've got, you know, you've worked for four weeks, you have the video. So you, you say you do everything in After Effects. So how long does the process take from when you, I guess it might depend on, you know, vary from, from project to project, depending on how complicated it is. But how do you sort of start to actually put things together? How long does that process take on like the, the, the actual editing side of things? Uh, the editing, I think the, the removal of the object that I want to replace with Lizzie probably takes the longest when actually comping her in. And, and a lot of people uh, yeah, don't realize that that's actually the biggest part of it. Uh, because like what, what I try to do with these videos is not to just put her in, it's to replace her. It's like, all right, normally this would be Baby Yoda or normally this would be uh, like... I mean, any element it could be... It's, it's the, the removal and then like finding like replacing it with the background that was there and if you look at any of the behind the scenes and i always do like a little like a a sketchy like oh this is like really quickly like i deleted it and and most of the comments of people that are interested in learning to do that sort of special effects like what kind of app to use which is a word that that always annoys me so much i don't know why it's like this isn't an app these those are professional softwares that i'm using (laughs) but but they're always like yeah i I get the whole like bringing lizzie in bringing the cat in and removing the green screen but how do you get rid of kate winslet from the couch the titanic scene and um and so yeah, that process of doing it, which often involves Photoshop, obviously, it's you know it's a lot of content aware fill and redrawing backgrounds entirely uh, in Photoshop, wow. and then tracking them so that it moves with the camera, and and it's a lot of it's it's so much tracking, 
It is pinning points in the scenes and be like, all right, if the camera moves this way and the couch that Kate Winslet is, is on uh, moves in the frame, I have to redraw the couch in Photoshop, bring it into After Effects, pin it to where the couch is, then the background that her head is on, I have to cut her head off, bring the background into Photoshop, fill the little hole that was her head was in, bringing it back into After Effects, then pin it to the background behind the couch that will move at a different speed from the couch. And so then like often like all these layers would have to be pinned separately from one another and 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 move at different speeds. And there's ways that After Effects is making it easier. There's the content content delete, uh, content aware delete in After Effects. Uh, but it's never that smart. It'll try to move pixels, and it ends up being a big mush by the end of the clip. Mm. Uh, the the cleanest way to do it is still sort of the old way at this point, and it's Photoshop and After Effects and a whole lot of tracking. But but once that's done, and I call those like my 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 clean plate. It's like just the scene without Lizzie in, which probably takes me eighty percent of the time. Uh, then I can bring in Lizzie. And that's when it becomes kind of fun because you see it sort of finally come together. And uh, and so I will have a first pass at it, which is just uh, my, my clean plates that I worked so hard on with a really poorly composited in uh, Lizzie uh, that I will then assemble into Premiere and see if the thing works as a joke. Mm-hmm. It's going to look crappy. And I always, I would like bring my laptop up to Olivia. I was like, all right, is this funny? And I was like, I'll clean it up, but is this funny? Does it work? Like, I know Lizzie's really poorly lit. Nothing makes sense right now, but does it work as a joke? And, uh, and usually if it works in that state, it will, it will work. Not usually, always. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if it works at a, at a low grade, it, will, it can only get better and amazing. But... Yeah. So I'm curious, have you ever kind of done, because I mean, that's kind of scary too, in a way, because you do so much of the work is already done by that point. What if it doesn't work? Then you've kind of, you know, you've scrapped all of that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mentioned like, I like the, the problem solving of it all. And I, and I will get my, like, I, a problem will drive me crazy to the point where it's like, I will, I don't often leave things unfinished. I will <laughs> rework it some other way, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to make it work, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just because I can't sleep. Like, it's like, if I can't make this thing work, like, there's, there's always a solution of some workaround. The, my biggest headache has been to try to make the scene from Mission Impossible work. And it's that vault scene in the first Tom Cruise one where he's there like suspended on wires and it's like has to type on the computer. And trying to get that to work with Lizzie has been a nightmare. In a, but like a fun challenge, but like, like my white whale was the thing that will eventually kill me. <laughs> Wait, can you even get Lizzie to sit like stay spreading all for that long like no no that's been impossible and and trying to do that in a way that it's also fun for her is uh, really really challenging so now i'm trying to find ways and i think i cracked i thought i cracked it at one point where i was like all right she loves being on her back all you have to do is dangle a little string toy and so she'll right right away she'll roll over and she'll be on her back I was like all right if i film her on her back 
exactly at eye level. Then I could just turn the footage around, and now she's on her front, feeling suspended. But then her ears are flat because she's up on, against the bed, and so it still doesn't look quite right. And and I tried to assemble the whole thing like that, and it wasn't funny because it was it was like it looked weird. And and like you know, like the uncanny valley when something just looks too digital and too fake. That's when people can't really lose themselves into a project. And, and and so so I've had to scrap it again, but I will I will get it. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, all of the work that you're putting into this little side project. Do you also find that it it's helping you, like in your actual professional career, in your actual job? Are are there skills that are that you're learning for for this fun thing that you're doing that are interchangeable to your you know pay the bills job? Yeah. Honestly, not really. <laughs> not right now. Not right, right now. Uh, I, I think I've gotten a lot better at doing allocated videos. <laughs> but like I, 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 you know, it's like you, you know, good looking back at your old work, it's always like I could have done that so much better. But but my day job is mostly editing, uh, like spoken content interviews, and it's a lot of motion graphics and trying to to make things look interesting like it's it's these aclu youtube videos where it's it's explainer videos mostly it's like all right here's what's going on here's the court case uh here's some motion graphics try to explain it really clearly and and which i enjoy doing it's a thing that's like i i like the the um it's like if i can make myself understand a thing that's as complicated as a supreme court lawsuit then i feel like i can make anyone <laughs> it's like i'm not a lawyer but if i can get it then anybody can if it's like phrased in those in those terms so that's that's my day job it's mostly video editing and and it's like trying to to make things that might seem complex easy to 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 process and that's very different from allocated work and uh and it's it's funny because often, like I used to have a hard time explaining what I did, and and the word editor is is never a thing I've associated with special effects. Like I, I always thought of myself as a compositor. It's like I, I work in I'm an After Effects, like maybe an animation generalist, but but it's like and then there's my editing work, and those two are different. Uh, but then as soon as I started putting out Al Kitty videos, all, everyone's saying like, oh my God, the editing is amazing. And in my mind, it's like, this isn't editing. This is VFX work. Editing is like my, you know, my interview work with, with the ACLU. Like that's, but, but I guess it is editing in a way. So I, I don't know. There is some sort of, they, they, they meet somewhere, but I have yet to find exactly how. <laughs> One of the things that I find really interesting is, and, and speaking with you, and what's really clear is you're you're somebody that's always looking for answers, and you're like you say a problem solver. You want to find, you want to get to the bottom of whatever this thing that you can't get. You, you want to find that answer, and I'm curious about. Um, that's clearly your motivation, um, and. Uh, like what? What do you look for when you're trying to solve a problem? Like, are you actively researching, like looking for uh, like how-to videos, or are are you also kind of sitting with it and thinking outside the box? Like, I think the Mission Impossible thing that you're talking about is really interesting because you're not looking, you're not approaching it in the way that I would think most people would be would be, which would be to you know do a bunch of 
of research and look at a bunch of videos on how can I make this do this uh, with VFX? And you're kind of looking at it as more of a practical, so you're looking for a more practical solution, which I think is really interesting. Maybe not something that we consider a lot of the time when we when, when people are working in visual effects. It's like how you fix it with a computer, not how do you fix it practically, which I think is really fascinating. So do you think that this is, it's just how you like to work? Or do you think that... Um, we're maybe sometimes missing uh, something by not looking at things in a more practical way. Yeah, um, I've I've come to find I've I've never, I've never been against digital effects at all. Like I think, you know, there's there's those two schools. I've worked in some stop motion uh, in the stop motion field for a little bit, and then there's, there's always this inner fight among stop motion animators where like some of them are like, no, everything has to be done like in, in camera. Like the fire, the clouds, everything has to be in there. Otherwise, what is the point of doing stop motion? I was always on the side of let's use the computer as much as we can. It's an incredible tool. It saves you time. It saves you money. I love digital work. Uh, and, and I've always been on the side of that. And, and, and the reason I've been doing more practical lately uh, especially with Lizzie, it's because it makes for the behind the scenes more interesting for people, and and they'll see the before after, and they'll see that it's like, oh, all right, this is exactly how you like. This makes sense. And, and for people that don't work in in the VFX world, it's like, no, if she's gonna be on the bike in the ET scene in the basket, for it to be shot like that, like for it to it's like oh, if there's a green screen involved there's still a basket and it's still going to be shaking and so showing the side by side is better than like me faking the whole shaking and and instead of shaking her digitally I have to shake her in real life uh, and I mean I'm not I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say here it's just it's <laughs> it's, there's something tangible about doing the actual thing and then it's fun for her too right she loves being, it's weird, she loves being rocked like that. We'll be watching TV, we watched the crappiest TV shows while we both work on our laptops from the couch. It's like, all right, what's like kind of mindless and silly and every once in a while we can look up, watch like TV reality shows. But we're both like, I'm doing allocated videos. Olivia's like hard at work on a really serious, like, she, she works for Mercy Corps, which is this nonprofit that like deals with Syrian refugees. And it's like, oh my God, how are you working on this? But uh, we're, we're both working on that, and we need something silly, and we're watching this crazy, stupid, like, Love Island. And uh, and then Lizzie's going to be, like, on our lap in a box, and we'll just be rocking her, like, shaking for hours. And she loves it, and she, like, rests her head on the box, and she'll purr. Something about the shaking. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, is this kind of like, is making these videos kind of escapist as well? Kind of a, a way to unplug from the realities of, you know, whatever else is happening in the universe and in our lives? Yeah, I mean, in a way, a little bit, a little bit. ACLU can be can be hard. Uh, uh, Olivia deals with much more horrible stuff. But it, it was weird because the... The I mean pandemic pandemic aside because it's Alkiti started before but uh, I was uh, the the week that I made the Jurassic Park video was around the same time that I uh, was doing family separation videos for the ACLU so the Trump administration was separating kids at the border. And the first people to work on the case were the ACLU. It's like, oh, what's going on over there? So this was before it even blew up. I was just like, 
starting to assemble some footage. I was like, wow, that's incredibly fucked up. And uh, I don't know. I was just like, all right, let's, let's do something more funny. Uh, yeah, and so Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's kind of selfish, but... Well, but I think I think, but I think you've hit oh. on something that, it, and one of the reasons why I think the videos are so successful is because they are this for you know that portion of time that you're watching that video, or for that length of time, like two and a half hours later, <laughs> that you're yeah. watching those videos. It is like an escape. It's it's just like this fun. It's nice to see this fun, sort of laid back um, approach to something, something that's really carefree, and the cat just looks so happy. Lizzie just looks like she's having a ball. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's this account's grown without much like goal or ambition. Or it's just like it's silly videos. It doesn't try to be anything more than that. And it's just it's silly. And it's uh, and and the amount of messages that we get from people that are kind of moving in a sense that it's like, oh, this is the first time I've smiled since like my dad passed away. Or it's just like it's like, oh my god, I don't, I didn't realize how many videos would have such an impact. It's like. It's just silly little videos, but I guess uh, especially in these times, people people need them. So it's been really rewarding. Oh, that's awesome! And I think that that's a kind of a great way to to wrap things up. Ativo, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. It's been so much fun and super inspiring. I just I love the the messaging and the work that you're doing. It's just it's so joyful. No, th- thank you so much for having me. And that was my conversation with. Thibaut Cheropin of Owl Kitty. You can find out more about Owl Kitty by checking out their website at owl-kitty.com or by searching for Owl Kitty in YouTube and Instagram. The Sparkcast is a production of the Spark Computer Graphics Society. Opening and closing credits as well as additional production support by Michael Edland. For more about SparkCG and our upcoming events, visit sparkcg.org. Yeah, yeah, where's Lizzie still outside? I need to go find her. (laughs) Yeah, don't lose your star. (laughs)